Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Families Podcast. We are halfway through this week's two tournaments in Antwerp and in Cologne. As always, uh, I'm joined by Marcus Alley. How are you doing, Marcus? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. You know, good for to uh, sit down and have some Friday night podcast action. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to discussing these two tournaments as I head into the closing exchanges. So, uh, after a pretty dismal French Open for the British players, we have got some brilliant British news. Uh, Dan Evans is into the semi-final of the European Open in Antwerp with a brilliant win today from a set down, saving a match point against Karen Hatchinoff, the world number 17. Um, brilliant win for Daniel Evans, who has had a fantastic year, uh, obviously, from before the, the pandemic and now also after. He's been getting some really good wins. Um, I know both of us caught good portions of this match and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought the atmosphere there was brilliant. It made it a really good spectacle to watch, actually. It's um, re- just really enjoyable. Uh, Evans won 3-6, 7-6, and that was 9-6 in the tie break when he saved that match point. And then 6-4 in the last set, he uh, broke in the first game of the third set. Um, also battled back from a breakdown in the second set. So um, he, he really defied the odds uh, in that match. Evans, what's your take from it, Marcus? Really, really good win for the Brit. Yeah, an, an outstanding performance. I mean, Evans is really definitely playing a, a lot higher level than his 35 ranking suggests. We know that that's, um, you know, obviously completely different compared to how he's got on in 2020. You know, a, a real career season for him and this match, really typified that, you know, the fighting spirit he showed. Obviously, I was um, sort of a bit of mixed emotions. Obviously, I would have wanted the Brit to come through it, but then uh, Karen Hatchinoff getting knocked out meant that I've now lost the uh, Antwerp tournament to you in, in uh, prediction points on TennisDrawChallenge.com. But it was a really good match, you know, three sets. And as you say, it was very refreshing to have a really enticing and um, uh, an atmosphere at the uh, at the stadium that really, um, really just... Um, it intensified the the whole match and the big points. And in that tie break that went to, to 9-7 to Evans, it was really tense. Hatchinoff was very, very frustrated at 7-all in that tie break. Dan Evans hit a winner that he thought was out. And the the um, the replay showed that it was narrowly. Uh, he did narrowly miss the line, but he um, he got that edge and then had a, had a set point on his serve at 8-7. And Hatchinoff was really crushed by that. You know, he didn't take it on the chin at all. You know, he did throw his toys out the plan and he was sort of... Um, he was leaning on the net with his head sort of buried in his um, in his elbow. Um, you know, it, it really got to him. You know, and um, he's a player that hasn't really hit the heights in the last couple of years. He hasn't been winning those tournaments. He hasn't been getting to those finals that his compatriots have in Daniil Medvedev and Andrei Rublev. You know, he was the leading man for Russia um, a couple of years ago. So a big disappointment again for Hatchinov. But what can I say about Evans? You know, he can't take anything away. A really good tournament. He needed three sets to get past Salvatore Caruso in the first round, which is a little bit of a surprise on a hard court. You know, um, I've said that I think Caruso is playing some good tennis at the moment, but I wouldn't expect him to be pushing or taking a set off Evans um, on the hard court surface and then getting past Francis TFO, of course, who was a tricky customer. And um, yeah, coming up against Ugo and Bear in the semi final should be very interesting. But yeah, definitely one of the better atmospheres I've seen at a tennis match in the last few weeks. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's good to see some fans back. 
Yeah, you've, you've worked your way down my list nicely there because I was going to bring up that uh, Caruso match. And I think that Tiafo win, uh, 6-2 in the second set against Tiafo, who's a, been a, a, a very dangerous player on, on these surfaces, uh, hardcore and indoor. So I think um, that's really encouraging from Evans and really maybe took the momentum from that 6-2 set. I think it's... It's weird to say this about Evans, but it kind of makes me sad in a way that he is having his, his best year now because he's 30 years of age now. And I think it's we've always, cause we've always been able to tell that Dan Evans has had the ability, even when I was watching him when, when I was quite young and getting into tennis. I remember watching him, he was probably about 23, 24. I was watching him in the Davis Cup. I just remember thinking, this guy hits the ball so well. Like I really enjoyed watching him play, his style of play. I, I just think, it's a massive shame, really, that uh, he, he has come this late. But, you know, he's still doing really well. He's, if the um, year-to-date rankings were working like they normally would since the beginning of January, Evans would still have a good chance of putting an outside shot at that uh, O2 spot. But unfortunately, because of the way the year-to-date rankings are working, um, where it's including some points from last year, I believe, um, it, it's not quite the same. Um but yeah, Karen Hatchinoff, you say about the whole thing on the net. I think it's seven all in a second set. I, I wasn't watching at this point, but I think even even if you are devastated that call's gone your way, I think it's seven all in, in a set like that when you've had a match point. I think just leaning on the net like that and letting it get to you that much can only be a bad thing. I think you've just gotta you've just gotta stay focused and and get on with it because he's still two points from winning. Um, but yeah, still 24 years old, Karen Hatchinoff, as you say, slowed down a little bit in recent years. But uh, he has looked good since restart. Gave uh, Novak Djokovic a really good match at the French. Um, lost last week to me, lost Ryan Itch, who we know has been on, been on good form. Uh, so we'll just move on. Uh, speaking of Milos Rajnic, before any of the action happened today, uh, Rajnic, who was due to play Grigor Dimitrov in the quarterfinal, Rajnic pulled out due to uh, an abdominal injury. So that's given Dimitrov a semi-final spot. Um, and we were just saying before the pod, uh, Dimitrov has actually only won one match to get to the semi-final. He had a bye in the first round, uh, beat Pablo Andahar in three sets. Uh, in the second round and then a, a, a walkover in the quarterfinal. Uh, and Dimitrov will face uh, Alex Dimonur, the 21-year-old Australian who absolutely thrashed uh, Marcus Giron today. The American who beat the number one seed, David Goffin, 6-3-7-5. As I was really expecting a bit more from Marcus Giron there, even though he's not a player that I would have given much hope at the beginning of the tournament. After a win like that, I think would have given him a lot, lot more of a chance. But Dimonor only losing three matches, uh, three games. A bigger pardon to to Giron. Um, yeah, really fantastic from the twenty-one-year-old. Um, and and you'd think he's got a good chance at this tournament now. Definitely, I um, I'm very confident that he should get past Grigor to make the final. Um, not only just the Giron win, which he got through quite straightforward. You know, he beat. Richard Gasquet has been in all right form that I mentioned in, in the last episode that I actually had Gasquet to knock out Dimonor in this tournament. Um, as we were just speaking off air, you said that Dimonor might have managed to get some uh, form back up playing some exhibition tennis last week. Um, and it's clearly, um, you know, proved to, to work a treat for the Aussie. You know, I, yeah, I, I firmly make him favourite for this one. 
However, I wouldn't make him favourite in the final coming up against either Evans or Ugo Umbera. I do see that as strongly the, um, <laughs> the stronger side of the draw in Antwerp. So it's a good chance for him, really, you know, at, at 21 to have the chance to get to a final and even win what I believe would be a first ATP tour, tour title. I could be wrong in that, but um, he's definitely got to finals before, but I'm not sure he's, he's lifted one. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Dimonor versus Grigor Dimitrov. Um, you know, it's a shame to see Milos Raonic not be able to f- fulfil that match against Dimitrov. I'm sure it would have been an entertaining one, a bit of a throwback of two very precocious players of a, of a previous generation. But it's not a surprise Raonic's fitness has been temperamental over the last few years. But um, yeah, Dimonor for me in that one, definitely. Uh, I've got to say, Marcus, uh, I've just looked it up because um, I did think Dimonor had won a title. He's actually won three. Uh, three titles, Demonor's won. He won three last year. Uh, all 250s, by the look of it, in uh, Atlanta, Sydney, and Zhuai. I think I say that correctly, the Chinese tournament. Um, all well, outdoor. Well, man's up with that one then. Fair play, Alex. <laughs> and, and, but you were right in the sense that he got to three finals because uh, he has also got, uh, you said he got to a final. He's actually got to three finals as well. So um, I must say I'm a little bit surprised at that. I think if you've given me the first clue on guess the player at three titles and three finalists. Alice Dimonor wouldn't have been a player I was thinking of. But uh, yeah, and, and really a good chance here. I think um, we actually, we still need to uh, mention the fourth uh, quarterfinal. So we're going to that now, the world number 38, Ugo Mbera, as Marcus said earlier. Uh, he's got through against the informed George Harris of South Africa, 6376. Um, before the match, Harris had only lost one match in nine. So, uh, really on form, the youngster. Um, but Umber getting that win convincingly. Um, convincing win against Copper Jams in the first round, expected. And then came back from a set down against Pablo Carreño Busta. The really informed Pablo Carreño Busta as well. So, Umber really looks like he could be a danger as well. I'm looking at these semi-finals and they've got Dimitrov, uh, who perhaps is untested in this tournament yet apart from that tricky match against Zanderhaar, uh, Dimitrov against Dimonur and Evans against Umber. It's sort of four names that you maybe wouldn't have expected before the tournament. Uh, but but anyone, I think, could really win it in there. I'm going to I'm gonna say a Dimonur-Evans final, and I'm going to go for Evans to win it. What do you think, Marcus? That's very positive. Uh, I'd love that to happen. I'm not sure. I feel like, Mentally, Dan Evans gets a little bit nervous and sometimes can't produce his best tennis when he really needs it. So I think I do think that we've missed a trick with Ugo and Bear in our predictions for this tournament. Um, we both went with Karenna Buster to beat him, and although Karenna Buster's been good in good form lately, I feel like especially in in the U.S. Open, he sort of sailed through the draw without producing particularly excellent tennis. Um, and obviously, Ugo Umber nearly locked out, knocked out one of the best players in the world this year, Andre Rublev, at St. Petersburg last week. So that Frenchman is, is proven that he can do it on the hard court as well as the clay courts. Um, so I would make him a slim favourite here. I, I think Umber, maybe just like Alex Dimonor, slips into that bracket that I'd have of players that are just behind the current sort of a flag bearers of the next gen in, in uh, like Sasha Zverev, Andre Rublev, Daniil Medvedev and Tsitsipas. 
that could definitely be players to push the top 10 in the next couple of years. And Umber's line down there in, in, in the late 30s, he's definitely a better player than that for me. And he, he's shown that in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, you can't write off, Ev- off Evans. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this, this could be an absolute belter. You know, I reckon three sets, whoever gets through in this one. Um, but yeah, I'll have to disagree with you and go with Ungo, Umbo, Ugo Umber to take the title, the young Frenchman. Um, yeah, and Di Menor to, to lose out in the final. Okay, interesting prediction. Uh, if uh, Dan Evans has before got to two ATP 250 tit- uh, finals, sorry, at Delray Beach in Sydney, but the win at the European Open will be his first ever ATP Tour title. So I think the British fans will really be looking out for him there. Uh, and Andy Murray won this tournament, of course, last year. So we could have two back-to-back British winners of the European Open, which is slightly ironic. Um We'll go on to Cologne uh, just very quickly. Um, some matches still in progress on Cologne, so I'll just check how things are going. Uh, I think Alex Zverev has now... Oh, no. He was serving for the match, and he must have got broken because the game is still going on. Yet yeah, he got broken back by Adrian Manorino, so that is 6-5 with serve. In the second set, uh, Zverev is set up. But we'll come back to that match. We'll start with the matches that have finished. Uh, we have got uh, two semi-finalists already um, on opposite sides of the draw. Yannick Sinner, the exciting 18-year-old. We've spoken about him quite a bit on the podcast recently. He uh, has beaten the very experienced Gilles Simon. Uh, he beat Gilles Simon... Uh, 6-3, love 6. He lost the second set of 6-love. I've only just seen that. Uh, must have escaped me earlier on. Uh, and then won the, the third one, 6-4. So a good win for him. Uh, Sinner also boasting wins this week against Duckworth and Hebert, both in straight sets, uh, before having that tough one against Simon. Uh, and he will face the winner of Zverev and Manorino, which uh, is, as I say, still going on. Although Zverev hopefully should get through this match against Manorino. I, however, even though I've got Zverev to win this tournament, I think I said to you quite early on in the week that I'm sort of annoyed because I had Sinner to win the tournament and I bottled it before I suddenly changed it to Zverev. And I, I do think Sinner's going to win it. I, I do think um, Sinner, he beat Zverev the other week at the French and uh, I think I make him favourite in Cologne. Uh, what do you think, Marcus, about the win today and uh, the potential semi-final matchup against Zverev, and quickly I'll just bring you some news on that. I can see that Zverev and Manorino are in a medical timeout. I can't see who's receiving that, so I'll have a look whilst Marcus is talking, because uh, it could be that that is an injury for Zverev. I'd love to see Sinner to, to uh, go on and, and win that title in Cologne. It will be a re- very interesting meeting should he meet Zverev in that um, semi-final. You know, Zverev will be quite angry about that loss in the French Open and um, yeah, it'll be a, a tough test, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to um, back against Sinner in, in the form he's in, you know, he even played, um, put some really good pa- uh, passages of tennis together against Rafael Nadal, forcing a tie break in that first set in the French Open after serving for it. And of course, Nadal didn't drop a set in the whole tournament. So you could argue Sinner posed the biggest challenge. Um, 
his win against Simon today really speaks volumes as well for his uh, prowess on, on these hard courts in Cologne. Of course, because um, Gilles Simon knocked out Denis Shapovalov in the last round, I believe. So I think that just shows that Simon was in strong form coming into this one. And uh, yeah, Sinner, apart from that uh, blip in the second set, has, has brushed him aside well. Um, so yeah, moving on to the other semi-finalist. And I know it's a very interesting match that you wanted to talk about. We've got Diego Schwartzman in there and you saw some of his match with ADF, a.k.a. Alejandro Davidovich-Fokina today. Um, so yeah, what did, what did you make of that one? Yeah, a fantastically topsy-turvy match. Um, I can confirm quickly, it's very of getting that medical timeout. Uh, obviously, when you're listening to this podcast, you'll know the result of this match. You'll know uh, the, the fate of Zverev in this, but hopefully he's not too hurt there and he can get through this match. Uh, yeah, a very odd match between uh, Schwartzman and Davidovich Fakina. A, a real, you hear the term in football, a game of two halves. I think this was very much a, a match of two halves. Uh, ADF won the first set 6-2 um, and then the second set very tight and uh, well ADF was winning it by a double break and had a match point and a double break up against Schwarzman now even though Schwarzman's a very good player and obviously semi-final at the French Open last week if you're a double break and a match point up even if you're playing you're a top top player you, you, you've got to win it from there I've, I've, I've got to say you've got to win it from there but he's only gone to get broken in that game broken the next game then he broke Schwartzman again to go 6-5 up and to serve for the match again got broken again and then when I lost the tie break 7-3 and then he never recovered from it and he got absolutely smashed in the, the final set so a very weird set possibly an early test for the youngsters um, Mental mental toughness on court. Schwartzman is a very mentally strong player on court. Actually, quite remains quite calm. Uh, really digs in. So I think this is a real uh, testament of his character. But um, yeah, I think a shame for Davidovich Fakina considering the position that he was in. Um, but yeah, what do you think? I, I can confirm that Zverev and Manorino are playing again. So Zverev's not retired. I've been very enthused by the performances of ADF in the last couple of weeks, particularly post the French Open. So to see him sort of come crashing down in the second half of a match is disappointing, but it is to a top 10 player. You know, I think we can excuse him that, you know, he's he's only 21, I believe, ADF. So coming up against Sportsman, he was quite a big underdog and then getting himself into that position, he's got to take as the main positive. Um, like you said, a, a double break up in, in, in the second set when he'd already won the first it's going to sting for a while. Um, you know, we, we hope he can bounce back quickly, but there's no shame in losing to Diego Schwartzman at all. You know, a top player, we've just seen him get to the French Open semi-final and beat Dominic Team um, on a clay court. You know, he's, he's, he's having one of the years, years of his life. I think it was his first Grand Slam semi-final. So, you know, two players in the form of their life, you could argue. Um, so, you not know... Only beat, not only beat Dominic Team, but gave Nadal the hardest match of Nadal's Oh, actually, no, you could probably say Sinner was probably the hardest, but um, challenged Nadal more than Djokovic did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, so, yeah, you'd have to say it's still a more impressive performance than it is uh, disappointing. You you know, um, although he didn't quite have the grit to get get to the finish line, it's still a a very impressive display. And um, yeah, this is definitely one of the players that 
I didn't expect to burst onto the scene in this way post lockdown, but you know, going ahead, looking to next season and after, you know, my estimation of ADF has has gone through the roof in the last few weeks, and you know, we could we could see him in the top fifty by the end of the year still. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, at the moment, ranked sixty four. So yeah, he's he's not far off. Um, so there is one more quarterfinal which will come after Zverev Manarino. The winner of the final quarterfinal will play Diego Schwartzman. That's a quarterfinal between. Uh, the last week Cologne runner-up Felix Auger-Aliassime against Yoshihito, I wish I would say that, Nishioka, uh, who's got some good wins at this tournament. Nishioka beat Struff in the last round and uh, a straight sets win over Kyle Edmund in the first round, who you've got to say Kyle Edmund has had a disappointing couple of years. But uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think if we just take uh, the Zverev Manorino match out of the equation for a sec, if we, we We've got that Schwartzman uh, in the semi-final. I expect you expect him to face Felix, um, but Nishioka, a dangerous player on his day, uh, beat Dan Evans earlier this year at the Australian Open, which was quite a big, big surprise considering Evans's year. Um, what, what, what do you think about this final quarter-final that uh, we've we've got? Bear in mind that the listeners will probably know the result by the time of listening, so maybe don't go for a prediction and make us look stupid. It's, it's, it's not easy to call this one, for sure. Um, Nishioka beat Felix in the French Open in straight sets, and he's not necessarily a player that I thought was particularly accomplished on, on the clay course, so to get that win against Felix was very impressive. And yeah, two players in um, Kyle Edmund and John Leonard Struff that have proved themselves on the hard course um, you know, I think Ev- Evans has got an ATP Tour title potentially on a hard court and Nishioka managed to, to beat him quite easily. And Struff has been having a good year. I think we discussed a few episodes ago that he hasn't been a player that's really pushed it um, getting towards titles, but he's, he's more of a consistent player. Um, but yeah, Nishioka comfortably sort of 20, pl- 20 rankings lower than Struff. Um, so it was an important win. And yeah, he'll take confidence from that win at the French into this match against Felix, who of course struggled in the the only game that he's played so far in the tournament against Igor Gerasimov. Um, he really had to battle in that one. I think he won two 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 tie breaks to um, come back from a set down to win that one in three. Um, and yeah, he really had to battle. So can Felix go back to back and um, um, sort of back up his performances where he got to the final in Cologne last week? I'm not so sure. Um, I'd have to say I think Felix will edge it if he can show the fight that he showed against Garasimov and he is just a player of a lot more weapons than that of Nishioka, a player that relies on his running and anticipation a lot more than Felix who can, I mean, win a service game in under a minute, under two minutes quite consistently when he's on song. So I'll have to go Felix to edge it, um, mainly because, I mean, I really like Felix as a as a player and as a prospect. However, it definitely will be difficult. It, um, if he doesn't play to the, the peak of his powers, I think Nishioka could take this one very deep and maybe even win it. Um, so, yeah, a very um, cautious punt for Felix there in, in that final quarter final. Yeah, I've got to agree. I think I'll go for Felix in a, in a free set grinder. Uh, and if you do edit this after the Felix match, you can just take this section out if he loses. Just looking up, when you mentioned Kyle Edmund possibly winning a title, I've just looked this up. Uh, Kyle's won two titles. He won the European Open in 2018, so the Brits obviously do very well in Antwerp. Apparently he won in New York this year. Kyle Edmund winning a title this year has 
really gone over my head. That's in February. I, can't, I don't remember this, but fair enough. Edmund won a title this year. It feels like he's had a horrible two years, uh, except that set that he took off Djokovic the other month at the US Open. But um, yeah, okay. So yeah, that's pretty much Cologne wrapped up. Uh, Manorino leading the tiebreak 4-2 at the moment. So that could be going to a third. Uh, but those two remaining matches don't uh, screw up my overall prediction because I'm going for Yannick Sinner to win it. Um, just quickly, Marcus, in one word, just one word, who's going to win this tournament? It's going to be five words, I'm afraid. Nah. And myth, legend, Yannick Sinner. Uh, yeah, Yannick Sinner. We've both gone for. Uh, so that wraps up our talk for the week. Um, we'll keep an eye on that Zverev Manorino match tonight and keep an eye on Nishioka Orzhana Racine because I think we both think that will promise to be a good match. Uh, we'll be back in just a sec for Guess the Player. Welcome back to the Tennis Fanless podcast. We have got the final bit, guess the player. Marcus is looking very ready on the other side of the camera. He's showing me his pen that he's going to write down all the clues with. Uh, there's actually quite a lot of detail in this um, first clue, but I don't think it's going to help you much. Unless you happen to remember this whirlwinder of a first-round match at the Australian Open. Uh, at this year's Australian Open, I beat... Vasek Pospisil in straight sets before losing in four sets to Monfils. So not much a clue, but maybe gives you an idea of the calibre of opponent that he can be in straight sets. I mean. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I have no idea. Matteo Berrettini. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. I want to say good guess, but, you know, you could have gone for anyone there, really. Um, clue number two. I have eight career titles, and I have been ranked as high as 14th. That's impressive. I, I, I think that some of eight career titles would have been able to get higher than 14th. So not easy. Um, I'm going to go with Philip Kohlschreiber. Philip Kohlschreiber? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, clue number three. Uh, this career high ranking of 14th came back in 2008. Okay, blimey. So someone who... 12 years ago. Yeah, someone who peaked when we first got into tennis, basically, and been on a slow downward... I don't even think I was that into tennis at nine years old, to be honest. <laughs> I think I knew who Tin Henman was. Yeah, fair enough. Blimey. Unless... They... Okay, so maybe they came in as like a wild card or protective ranking at the Aussie this year. Maybe they... Hmm... As a as a fan who really likes Monfils, I wish I'd um, gone through all his Grand Slam wins the year before this. <laughs> Should have done the revision. Right, two thousand eight. 
Um, no, I think he was a bit later. A name just popped into my head, but I'm not going to say him. Okay. Eight current, eight titles. Decent. Sadly, Leighton Hewitt retired quite a few years ago and had a higher career ranking than 14. Would have been a good guess, to be fair. Oh, uh, yeah, true, actually. He's been higher than 14th. Maybe an Australian might be down the right line. Don't know. No, you did an Aussie recently. You did John Millman. You can't go Aussie again. Right. Why not? Oh. Eight titles. This is 14. So, if they potentially won quite a few of these titles before 2008. Going to be an older player. I think Richard Gasquet's been higher than 14, so I'm not going to go with him. It's tricky. What older players are left on tour at the moment? Andreas Seppi. Andreas Seppi. That's not a bad guess. I reckon he's, the stats are probably the same in terms of ranking and maybe titles. It's not, though. Um, good guess, though. Clue number four gives you a, a clue at what country they're from. Uh, my home nation won the Davis Cup in 2018 and came runners-up in 2016, losing to France. So if you can think of what the nation is, you might be on the right lines. I'm not a big Davis Cup fan, if I'm honest. No, neither. I don't know who is. 2018, so obviously it hasn't been this year. Last year it was that weird format, so who won it in the last year of the regular format? Serbia won it quite recently, but probably not 2018, and I also can't think of a Serbian player that was playing in 2008 apart from Novak. Could be Novak. His career high is probably 14. That clue's got me no closer, really. Okay, do you want to pass? I'll just have a random guess. Go for Fernando Vadasco. Good guess. Uh, I think that might have been your first guess to play. I don't know. It's not, but it's a good guess. Clue number five. Uh, this might not actually help you that much, to be honest, because you probably worked out that they're quite old. But clue number five is I'm 41 years old and I'm still playing. Ah, uh, that could... I haven't got... I could give you their ranking as well, actually. I think that, that last clue is a bit harsh because you kind of knew that already. The ranking is... This might not even help you anymore. The ranking is now 142. Yeah, I'm pretty confident now. Yeah, you got it. That one clue's changed it all up. I only know one player that that age that is still in love with the sport or crazy enough to still be playing. So yeah. I think... You know, it's a player that doesn't need to do much running due to having a massive serve. Um, going for Ivo Karlovic. He turned pro when I was one years old. Brilliant. Ivo Karlovic, yeah. Uh, been playing on the tour for 20 years and he's still going. But as you say, very reliant on his serves. Doesn't have to do a whole lot of running. So that's your guest to play this week, Ivo Karlovic. Uh, so that's pretty much all for the podcast today. Uh, keep your eyes on Antwerp and Cologne this week. Uh, Zverev Manorino has gone into a final set uh, with Manorino leading it with serve. So uh, keep an eye on that one. And uh, 
I think we'll probably be back at the end of the week to review the finals and Marcus can present. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing there's definitely some mouth-watering matches coming up in the closing stages. I'm going to have to do a quick public apology to Adrian Manorino as I dubbed as a pointless player last week when he came up on Guess the Player is now a set He is a pointless player. He is. Well, he's I'm, not I'm out there. semi-final on the 18th <laughs> tour. If he beats Severev tonight, he will lose in the first round of whatever tournament he's in next to Pablo Andahar or someone like that. Cool. It's always the hope that kills you with Adrian Manorino. Anyway, thanks for listening.